0: another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity. Today, we have Greg Tomchek on our CISO Thursday edition. Greg is a senior leader over at Valor and has taken the time to come share his advice from a leadership perspective as to some different ways that you can transition into the industry and some of the things that his organization has been doing to uh, grow a pipeline of talent and prepare them for the industry. So uh, Greg, how about you give us a little bit of background about yourself? And um, I I know it's quite interesting. And then what got you into cyber?
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. First of all, really appreciate you having me. Great to be here with you. and looking forward to diving in here. Um, So just a little bit of background. So grew up in a military family. You know, both of my parents were um, in the Navy. So kind of grew up with a defense mindset. You know, had a lot of the people around me that were in either you know, a computer security position or um, a position in the defense sector. So it always resonated with me, um, ended up being a professional baseball player. Um, so took that opportunity and those lessons I learned through professional baseball and took them into the business world. Um, early on in my career, I, I was running a software development company. We had a cyber attack and I didn't have anybody to help me put that fire out which sparked the light bulb in my mind of, I want to learn this stuff. I want to bring a business perspective to the cybersecurity space, which is commonly more technical. And, you know, after working for a variety of organizations decided to um, start Valor with some business partners. Um, And we mainly serve uh, private equity and professional sports and some, uh, some of the defense sector around assessing uh, cyber threats as well as helping them build capabilities and security programs around what those organizations most relevant cyber threats would be so willing to dive into any of those uh, avenues chris but pleasure to be here
0: yeah that's that that's pretty cool i mean i i love that you're you're serving some of those those areas and definitely tunes to some of the the viewers that we have that kind of come from the military uh, looking to transition from a different career, so you came from baseball. Um, I, I absolutely love that. So, kind of let's take a, a step back and as you're servicing these industries, I know you've done a couple internships. Like, mm-hmm. why open yourself up to internships um, with such a small organization?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Chris. Um, you know, first and foremost know we all had to find our our place in this industry. So we want to help relay through what we call our apprenticeship program, which is a four to six week program that we're able to offer to folks who either have a little bit of experience or no experience at all and want to get that first position under their belt and learn from a organization like Valor who's really providing a lens into the industry as opposed to selling a you know specific point solution or a tool um, from that standpoint. So you really get a wide range of of experience when you go through an apprenticeship program like like we offer and you know we want to have a positive impact on the industry and make sure people have opportunities when they're passionate and driven um, to find them so if anyone wants to reach out and you know be considered for that apprenticeship we we definitely encourage you to do so and um, you know we look forward to hearing from you if it's of interest
0: and what, what's really interesting is what, what can we do to replicate this? I mean, I absolutely love that you're doing this and showing that you don't have to be a, a big top four company to be able to set up an apprenticeship program and to be able to kind of get that talent and build your pipeline. What, what are some of your secrets, if I can ask?
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's all centered around the people so we don't look at it really as a secret but i think a lot of what we've been able to do really well from the replication side making sure that it's scalable for our talent pipeline but the talent pipeline as an industry is just create some standardized program and career paths that you know different interested different differing interested folks you know who want to go into soc can still benefit from a program that we offer because maybe we put them on a project whether it's an internal initiative or client facing that has more to do with security operations center type uh, skills and talents. Um, So we're kind of, you know, trying to create a center of the universe for having career tracks, but also giving an apprentice the opportunity to see how all the moving pieces come together in a program, which I think will set them up to be more successful, no matter which, um, you know, avenue they decide to go down from a competency standpoint.
0: I love that model. It kind of pro- provides that whole holistic approach to cyber that they they get that specialty, but then they also understand um, how it integrates into the larger whole. Um, when it comes to your clients, what are the pros of having an apprenticeship program integrated into your business to, to help your clients?
1: Yeah so I've always thought of cybersecurity as really a well one of the most well-rounded subjects that somebody has to understand so many different things in order to successfully perform any type of a a full enterprise-wide assessment. Um so from the client side I think you get a lot of benefit just from having people who may not be extremely deep in the weeds on certain competency areas and they can bring, you know whether their backgrounds in marketing or it's in sales or you know it's in IT They can bring that specific competency and enhance the assessment or the program development activities, the plan development things of that nature, and make it an improved end result. Um, And that's what happens when you bring kind of different mindsets to the to the table. And you know, we think you know either younger or people with experience outside of this industry that are getting in are very passionate about it, and we want to we want to help them express what they're what they're passionate about, and and in the process, kind of be able to contribute to the positive impact that we're trying to have. And I think it's a win-win all the way around.
0: Yeah, definitely a win-win. As you look for some of those competencies and had to say, name the top three, what what would be the top three competencies that you would look in an apprenticeship to potentially bring them on full-time or to recommend them to a client full-time?
1: Yeah, I think definitely the passion. I think you have to have passion for this industry because it's it's a more negative topic um, that a lot of folks don't want to necessarily talk about. Um, and to be able to show that passion in a way that um, can be translated in this industry. So I think that's really the first competency trait that we look for in any apprentice. So the ability to reach out and you know build a relationship with us um, and, and us help them achieve what they want to achieve and they can help us achieve what what we're on a mission to do each each and every day, um, so I'd say passion. I'd say the ability to do research effectively. Uh, I think researching is huge in this space. Um, so making sure that you have kind of that curiosity surrounding the passion you have for the industry, and then I think you know the, for the third one, I think it comes down to the the mindset. So um, you have to have a six a um, wide ranging mindset in order to absorb what's going on in this industry and turn it into a positive. Um, So a lot of times we get, you know, I see this commonly in the profession side. You know, you get into this negative hurricane of there's so many cyber attacks, you know, everybody needs cybersecurity or else. So it becomes kind of like a fear type mindset. So you got to kind of have that balance of knowing the risk, but helping organizations and individuals turn it into a positive.
0: You mentioned a, a very interesting topic there, knowing the risk. What what are some of the things that you do to help your organizations and a, apprenticeship truly understand the risk that's there within the context of the environment?
1: Yeah, so unless somebody's had it happen to them before, it's, it's really tough to resonate it. So when it comes to knowing the risk, whether it's on a personal or an organizational level, it all comes down to you know what's most important to you. You know, from a business standpoint, you know what makes your organization successful, and how do we put protections around whatever that is, whether a product, service, you know, key person, things of that nature. How do we put a a wall or a a shell of protection around that that can be continually adapted as the business changes? Um, from the personal side, you know, just understanding the type of accounts you have. Um, so we you know we leverage the apprenticeship program, as I mentioned, to provide an additional lens you know, to those types of assessments. But you have to understand what's important so that you can understand how to protect it. It sounds very rudimentary and simple, um, but at the end of the day, the, most companies nowadays, they know what's important, but they don't know how to take the, the steps in the right direction um, to achieve
0: protection around it. We have a great question from um, I'm guessing it's Paul over at the whole cyber human initiative. How do you translate to organizations you aid on the separation from cybersecurity and IT? And is this something you guide the apprentices on?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we always look at the CIA triad, which you know sounds kind of um, rudimentary, but you know, IT in a traditional capacity is very focused on availability. Of, of information, of systems, as opposed to confidentiality and integrity. So we really try to communicate that early on with the apprentices that we have. Um, when it comes to the organizational side, it all comes down to a responsibility matrix. So IT and cybersecurity both have their defined responsibilities. Most of the time they get um, kind of blended in a lot of organizations. So showing them what it would look like to have separation between those two teams which I think benefit each team to make them stronger, but also, you know, you have to communicate back and forth just like any other business department.
0: And you you often service small organizations. Um, at which point would you recommend to them that they get their first IT dedicated, sorry, dedicated cybersecurity professional? Because um, oftentimes you're limited on budget. They might not have the headcount. When would you recommend that they get their first full-time person versus using an organization like yourself to help them supplement?
1: Yeah, I think it all takes, you know, we, we kind of explain it. Once you hit rapid growth, where you are now market validated, um, your solution's fully developed, you have clients asking you, you know, how are you protecting our information, potentially if it's a software company or you have vendors or partners asking you as a service company. How are you handling cybersecurity? We're seeing those questions a lot. Um, you know, that's a great time to start a conversation with an expert or, or a firm like us when it comes to hiring a full-time person. I think you have to have the right foundation in order for that person to be successful. Um, so we we call it CSO readiness. But you know, we go in quite frequently and help ensure the organization is ready to max to get maximum benefit out of having a full-time person um, from a cybersecurity perspective. And then that also sets up the incoming CISO to be successful as well. So it's kind of a, a win-win there. You've you know, probably heard fractional CISO, virtual CISO. I know they're commonly um, talked about on this show, um, but you know we, we try to just use our expertise to positively benefit people as they're going through their business growth journey. It looks a little bit different timing wise, I think for each organization, but you know, the earlier, the better, but once you get to a point where you are getting the questions asked from partners and vendors, and once you know you really have something to protect that is going to elevate your organization on the path forward, I think that's a great time to at least have the conversation started, and then you can kind of think about what initiatives need to be prioritized um, in in combination with other business initiatives.
0: Yeah, one of the questions I often get asked is, should the first Person be focused on compliance or security as the the business is growing. Um, what have you seen from the small businesses that you've served?
1: Yeah, we kind of look at it as a as a dual headed approach. Um, you know I think whenever we talk about compliance it's it's obviously a hot button issue where people want to get it solved yesterday. Um, we really try to use compliance to show how they can really benefit from security from an organizational standpoint. So cybersecurity has a competitive advantage. If you have great great compliance readiness, you know that's gonna put you potentially a leg up from your competition. But we always map any compliance efforts to the security maturity of the organization to make sure they're making the relation from a mental standpoint. And I think they when they see those put together and the dollars being spent once, but benefiting both of those Um, areas that each organization needs to. They need to be compliant, but they also need to be protected so that the rug's not pulled out from under them. Um, So we try to relate it through conversations of that nature, workshops, um, instant response exercises to try to show how this stuff actually has business value and not just that it's a piece of paper or just a program that's talked about on a quarterly basis.
0: I love that you include incident response in there because while with a hurricane happening in Florida right now, that's the perfect time to ensure that you have an incident response plan. Cause if you're a small business and you only thought about the cyber aspect of it, don't forget about the physical aspect of it. Having a hurricane come through could really um, test an organization to be able to respond that way. Without a doubt. So you mentioned some of the, the businesses that you served um, are in the defense space, how do you help them understand the requirements from a CMMC perspective?
1: Yeah, so it, it's it's kind of interesting because a lot of defense contractors are previous military folks, so they kind of they really understand kind of the defense mission and what CMMC and and DFARS um, defense federal acquisition requirements what what they are trying to achieve. But when you come out with a program like CMMC that's such a big lift from the programmatic accreditation standpoint, a lot of them are still potentially doubting that it is going to be a go or no go and not just what it's been in the past as a self-attestation. So I think it all goes back to relating compliance to security objectives and that If they can use CMMC to establish a best practice security program, it's probably going to help them in other areas of their business, not just for Department of Defense contracts. Um, So, what we do there mainly is what we call a CMMC readiness assessment, where we'll go in, we'll assess the risk that they have as a business, we'll map out how they process defense related information and kind of what the data supply chain looks like in their specific organization. And then we help build capabilities, the policies, the plans. Um, the procedures, the exercises that are needed to be done. And oftentimes we'll actually manage the program and be a strategic advisor throughout those future assessment processes. Um, so, you know, we think it's it's a po- definitely a positive movement for the defense industrial base. Um, I think it's going to have a lot of positive impact, uh, but there's still details that need to be worked out um, from the the cyber AB standpoint in order to kind of continue to build that trust with the the end contractor.
0: Yeah, it's definitely fluxed a lot. I could say several years ago I was helping organizations look at how they separate out parts of their organization, say if they wanted to go to a government sector cloud and how they would be able to segregate that. And I don't think a lot of organizations think about the impact that that has on their day-to-day operations when they really have to almost physically segment uh, their network into a se- separate sector and how things like email and data flows um, really affect your organization. So so that's great that you're you're helping them there. Um, one of the things that I miss about the update of CMMC is the removal of the maturity um, scale because I, I used to love helping people work through the maturity scale and help them improve up that scale. Um, but yeah, that's, that's gone, but uh, do do you still include something like that with your companies or? Absolutely. I think from a, the business folks
1: understand maturity when it comes to financial effectiveness, when it comes to a, a product or service. Um, so we use the CMMI index, um, to kind of, you know, one to five scale, pretty easily, easy to understand from maturing a business capability, such as cybersecurity, and when you can get folks to see the steps that they need to take, but also how that's going to help elevate the protections in place um, that, you know, that that's what we kind of specialize in from, we want to take anybody that we work with to that next maturity level to move the needle in helping protect their organization, but also their employees and then the, the folks that those employees support. So we, you know, see cybersecurity as a real, a huge network effect that, if the organization is not secure, then the employee's job is a little bit less secure from a continuity standpoint, which makes them potentially not as their ability to support their family and then their families a little bit um, more at risk um, than it would be otherwise if they were more secure. So we, we see the network effect. You know, We see that people are the most important um, in this equation, and we want to help
0: to protect that You know, through some of these efforts that we're talking about now. I love that almost supply chain-like effect that you call a network effect. And it's important for for companies to think about where they sit in the supply chain and then how they affect their upstream customers, as well as their downstream suppliers, and the same back and forth, like how their downstream suppliers can affect them as well, because uh, that's an important consideration that many overlook.
1: Yes, yes, it is. Absolutely. You know, you can have all these pretty scorecards and, you know, you can put together a lot of great products, but unless it's translated to the audience, it doesn't necessarily resonate as well without that context. So, you know, we've had a lot of conversations. We've been, you know, we've had a lot of people, you know, either roll their eyes or, you know, stuff that we have said, maybe it doesn't resonate as much. So we try to continually improve based off of that audience, making sure we're resonating. And talking about cybersecurity and something that they can really understand and act upon.
0: You you do a lot for the community um, for being such a small organization. Uh, why why give back this much so early in your in, in your maturity?
1: Yeah, I think that's you know it's one of the main reasons why why we exist as an organization is really the the people in the community piece. You know, I think if we build a great organization of experts that is community focused, we're going to be able to make more people secure as a result of that. Um, so community is a, a, a primary pillar of, of why we started the organization. Um, we wanna instill it into our culture and we wanna find folks like yourself, um, like Paul at Whole, Whole Cyber Human Initiative who are along that journey of trying to elevate the community. And I think bringing you know, those folks to the table and having these types of conversations that we're having now, we're, we we know we're not going to be able to serve every every person, every organization. So, you know, we wanna be somebody who helps to um, bridge that gap and and contribute to the wider community and kind of help lift everybody up in the process, you know, whether it's an organization, an individual, a practitioner in this space, and do kind of our part to leave this industry a little bit better off than we came into it. And that's really our goal each and every day here at Valor.
0: And as you mentioned that, um, what's your point of view in trying to get the next generation ready? Those that are in college, ready to get their first job. What are some of the things that they can do to prepare themselves uh, for the cybersecurity industry?
1: Yeah, I think it it all starts. And I recently wrote a book about two years ago called Growing Into You. Um, I think it all starts with just knowing yourself. So kind of doing the simple um, upfront internal work to understand what makes you tick, what makes you really interested in different things. I think a lot of the folks that grew, grew up in this generation that is currently coming into the workforce, they understand technology, how it works, how it benefits society. Um, but you know learning the downsides. but like I mentioned, keeping that positive mindset of the folks in our industry have a positive impact on folks that most other organizations can't relate to. Um, So, you know, it's one of those things you need to pride yourself on being a translator of this stuff. You have to be great at research um, and and you have to have that passion behind it. Um, So, you know, if you really find out what makes you tick and what you're really interested in as a person, that's going to elevate your passion when you choose a specific role or roles in this space. Um, So definitely would would recommend kind of that as an initial step and then connecting with folks like you guys. And some of the other great organizations in this community to <clears throat> consult um, and, and be able to ask the right questions, so that people who want to give back, like us, like yourself, can be able to provide what we've learned up to this point to benefit um, that journey that they're on. So I think it's you know we're all in this together. You know I always say that to my team, but also to our clients and folks that we serve and and interact with in the community. But if we don't do this as one and everybody's kind of you know fighting their own avenue when it comes to cybersecurity, and we're never coming back to the table um, to put our heads together and, and kind of chart a improved path forward. Um, I think it's going to do us a disservice. So we want to be an amplifier and enabler of that community mindset you know, now and into the future.
0: Greg, we have a, a question from the audience. Hey, Chris, it's great to hear from Greg. I'd be curious to hear a little more about the Digital Risk Digest Live and who the target audience is.
1: Yeah, no, great question, Scott. Um, appreciate you looking into that. So we have our first um, live stream tomorrow morning, uh, starting at nine o'clock. Uh, we basically want to bring to light um, some of the myths in this industry from a practitioner standpoint, some of the things that we hear in speaking with CEOs, COOs, CFOs, people at the board level about a topic that is is traditionally looked at as kind of black magic or You know, just another risk on our risk register. So we want to kind of bring that conversation to light. Um, You know, bring our experts on, bring experts from the industry on to have those types of conversations around you know what we're seeing and how business folks are coming to the table when it comes to cybersecurity and digital risks, and how they can better go forward with an informed strategy. You know, from a as a result of of a conversation like we're going to have tomorrow, we plan to have it about once a week. Um, you know, we want to bring the business side um, of organizations together with cybersecurity experts and kind of have that translated conversation in that capacity. Um, so we're really looking forward to it and uh, appreciate the question, Scott.
0: I'm looking for that link. I found a YouTube live and I'll be sharing it with the audience. So as we... As you prep for that event, um, what are some of the the common themes that you think you're going to pull out in those weekly digests?
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting that Paul mentioned, you know, the difference between IT and cybersecurity. Um, You know, I think that's definitely going to be a topic that we discuss quite frequently. Um, I also think, you know, one of the common questions we get very frequently is where do I start? on a cybersecurity journey as practitioners we think that everybody has at least something in place and we commonly see the opposite where folks just don't know how to start because there's so many tools and so many solutions out there that are marketing everywhere because this industry is exploding how do we take the first step you know to get to that you know 0.1 maturity and start to get the conversation rolling around security for your specific organization um, so definitely going to be talking about that. So some of the myths that business leaders look to or mention when they when they hear cybersecurity. Um, we'll also be talking about you know Web three and how Web three is is impacting both positively and negatively organizations as they kind of digitally transform. And you know you start talking about the metaverse and NFTs and these organizations are very excited, especially from the private equity and professional sports side, about what Web three is going to do for their Uh, either portfolio company experience or the fan experience in professional sports, because it builds community at an exponential level that hasn't been possible before. Um, So we're definitely going to explore kind of some of those avenues, along with um, some actionable guidance on protecting those types of initiatives going forward.
0: Well, for for the audience, um, let's give them a quick overview from what, what Web 2 is and what Web 3 is and how that's different.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, you know, so traditionally, you know, Web two is is kind of what we know now, where you you know you have a router, um, you know, you're you're connected to the internet, um, you know, you're pushing different commands. Um, it's it's kind of a individual user having an individual experience um, through the internet. Um, you know, Web three, in my opinion, it's more around the community and elevating access to specific areas, obviously on a blockchain, which makes it a little bit more um, traceable potentially from the, um, if you're doing business with somebody online. So it's, it's pushing online business forward in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And then you have this whole dynamic of NFTs where you buy into a community based off of buying some type of digital asset. Um, so I think that's a that's a key differentiator when I think of Web3. Um, we're still learning a lot about it. We're actually going to a conference in San Diego called the Crypto Business Conference, which is all around how Web3 is going to apply to traditional business models and how some folks are elevating in that area. Um, from that standpoint, you know, leveraging the blockchain, leveraging the metaverse and leveraging you know NFT type business cases uh, going forward. So we're really excited about that. Um, but, you know, just as cybersecurity professionals, in order to pr- protect something and secure it, you have to understand how things work and kind of how, how organizations are innovating so you can help protect those innovative efforts.
0: Nice. Yeah, I recently became part of a, a community that um, issued uh, NF, NFTs as part of joining that community. So I'm finding out a little more about it and how it works. Um, very interesting Um well, we're getting to the top end or the bottom end of the hour, and our time with you. I, I always ask this question because I, I love seeing it. Um, the responses, Greg. Pretend that you're you're looking at your 20 year old self. What advice would you give them? Oof,
1: that's a great question. Um, you know, I'd say don't be don't be too hard on yourself. Um, you know, nobody. I think we have this misconception through social media that everybody has it all figured out. Um, you know, so, you know, be, be in a, find a mental state for yourself that is constantly growth minded where, you know, you you have to be somewhat satisfied with where you are because it's gotten you to today. Um, but be able to know that there's always going to be a way to improve. So, you, you know, don't be so hard on yourself saying each day I have to, you know, read 20 books and and do this in order to catch up to whoever your mentor or somebody that you look up to, you know, where they currently are, because even once you get there, it's not going to be the same way that they did or with the same mindset because you are uniquely you. So I think, you know, don't don't be so hard on yourself, Um, you know, find something you're passionate about. We live in a world where access to everything exists. Um, You can literally do anything that you set your mind to if you believe that you can do it. Um, so I think that was a key thing for me you know i was a I was a baseball player that looked at myself with a label of baseball player you know not good at school so it was a it was a label that was pushed on me potentially by the societal norms around me and you know i I believe and try to communicate with folks that that you 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 don't want to stick yourself in a box so if I just stuck myself in a i'm a baseball player i'm gonna go now just be a baseball coach. And then I'm gonna, you know, build a, a baseball team and, and just be a baseball person. I decided early on, probably around, you know, 2021, 20, that I wanted to kind of pave my own path and be able to use the uniqueness that I have within me and what the experiences that I've had to positively impact people. Um, and that's helped me kind of break through the obstacle of I'm just the baseball guy because I met people around me who knew that fact and communicated with. It with me at the right time um, to help me kind of say, you know, maybe I'm not just the baseball guy, maybe I could do something with more impact. And that eventually became, you know, cybersecurity through my experience of, of having a cyber attack.
0: Wow. Well, Greg, thank you so much for sharing that. We really appreciate you. Um, for those of you following us on LinkedIn, Greg's LinkedIn profile is down in the comments. For those of you on YouTube, hit that subscribe and notification button. For those of you on Twitch or any other platform, uh, leave comments, leave reviews. And those of you on the podcast platforms, please leave reviews and give us a a five-star rating where you can. It's just an easy one all the way to the right. Just do that. Um, And share us with all your friends and family. That way we could get more folks into the industry. Thank you all.